Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. More information about First Baptist Church can be found at www.fbcalamo.com. All right, go with me to 1 John chapter 2. We are, uh, this morning's passage is going to be probably the longest uh, chunk of scripture that we cover in this entire series. Um, I've been, to to let you know why I've been breaking it down the way I've been breaking it down, I've been going according to the paragraphs in the original Greek. Um, I I was reading a commentary, that's that's the way he suggested it, and I thought, well, that's a new approach. I've never done it quite that way before. Uh, This morning, we're combining two paragraphs just because they kind of flow directly from one into the other. They're both dealing with the same topics, and so rather than breaking that up into two messages, decided to stick with it because we're going to address the... um, this, this reality in the, the churches that John was addressing in, in, in his region, and also I would say here in uh, 2,000 years later, in, in 2017, we have a prevalence of false teachers uh, through, throughout the world, uh, maybe in some cases even infiltrating churches as well. So uh, that's what we're going to deal with. Now, now keep in mind, uh, even as we're walking through this every week, it, it's easy to kind of get tunnel vision and to focus specifically on the passage that we're on and forget, uh, forget where we've been. But keep in mind that, that none, of these, none of these messages, none of these passages come in a vacuum. They're, they're written as part of the larger letter of 1 John. So uh, two weeks ago when, when I was out, John Dowling covered uh, chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, where, where John writes to, to three groups of people, little children fathers and and young men so he's, he's addressing three uh, three spiritual generations within the same church and, and he tells them this he says I want, I'm writing to you so that you may know that your sins have been forgiven uh, I'm writing to you because you've conquered the evil one and I'm writing to you because you've come to know the father right and then he, and then he kind of rehashes those things so he's writing to believers and then last week in, in verses 15 through 17 we looked at at, uh, the, the title was How to Ruin Your Life. We looked at three things that, that if you find your identity in them, they will, uh, they will, they will blow up your, your life. And that is simply uh, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and pride in possessions. So stuff that feels good, stuff that looks good, and stuff that makes you look good. That, that's what we looked at. So he's warning believers against some things that will shipwreck their faith. And then this morning, we're going to turn our attention to false teachers or false gospels. And and that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. Three characteristics of false teachers. Three characteristics of folks who, who sometimes come in and and really enjoy blowing up local churches and then taking off. Okay, so we're going to look, and, and, and as I said, that's a reality in our world today. We need to be on guard against that as the pastor, um, as a shepherd. Sometimes that means I've got to take up a staff, right, and, and, and drive wolves away. Uh, but it, this isn't good just for me to know. It's good for us to know as the body of Christ so we can recognize when, when some folks are um, in danger of, of succumbing to false teaching or in danger of, if they're not corrected, becoming false teachers themselves, having missed the, the gospel. So that's, that's where we're going to focus our time. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, let's stand together and let's read First uh, John chapter 2, verses 18 through 27 together. They will be on the screen in the Christian Standard Version, Christian Standard Bible, so, so read along with me. John writes, Children, it is the last hour. 
And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This one is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. What you have heard from the beginning is to remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. I have written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. Just as it is taught you, remain in him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for the chance that we have to gather together and to open up your word and to read your word together as your people. This morning, will you open our eyes and our ears to, to see and to hear what you would have us to hear Will you help us to know the gospel so well that when false teaching tries to creep in, whether that's from the culture around us or, or even within the church culture, from those who would claim to be teachers, will you give us discernment? Help us to guard within our local church against these false teachings. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. So as I said, this morning we're going to look at three primary characteristics uh, that, that false teachers um, kind of in general will, will embody. Okay, Three characteristics, three ways to spot false teachers and, and false teachings within the church. The first thing that, that John tells us is that false teachers will desert the church. So look with me at verses 18 uh, through 21. He says, children, it's the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. So, so understand what he's saying here. Right? So he talks about the last hour. Now these, these words, this phrase kind of tends to trip people up because our, our question is always, well, when's the last hour? How will, we, how will we know when we've reached the last time? What is he talking about here? The way that he describes it here, the words that he uses uh, refers to simply the last time. 
And we're not talking about the, the last days, meaning, well, the, the, the time of the tribulation, the time. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the, the last time that is going to be. And the way he uses this here is the time between Jesus' ascension into heaven and Jesus' second coming. That, that's what he's referring to here is, as you say, it's the last time. We're, we're, we're in this period of time between when Jesus went up to heaven and when Christ is, when he is coming back. All right, so he's not specifying how long that's going to be, just that this is the last time. We're in, we're in the last days, and you can say that we've been in the last days for the last 2,000 years. Okay, and then he talks about Antichrist. Now, in some translations, the first usage of that word in, in verse 18 may be capitalized, where it says that uh, you've heard that Antichrist is coming, re- referring to a specific person. But, but look what he says here. He says, but even now, many Antichrists have come. See, here's, here's the problem, I think, that we sometimes get in. We're, we're so concerned about the Antichrist, big A, this person who's going to lead many astray, that we often are blind to antichrists who are already leading people astray. And, and it's these folks that he's focusing on here. So, so there's an antichrist coming who's going to deceive the whole world, and yet he says even now there are antichrists who are deceiving people. And in verse 19 he says this, he says, They went out from us. So, so these people, these false teachers, were a part of the church at one point. And yet, they were never really a part of the church. They, they came in and they tried to make themselves a part of the body. But, but eventually, they, they fell off. It says, they went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. You know, in our world today, so, so, so let, me, let me be real careful here. Um, in the New Testament, we are given clearly the example of the primacy that the local church is supposed to have in your life. We're not given any examples of people who shunned the, the local body and were considered in the right for doing so. In fact, we're commanded time and time again not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, not to fall away from the body. And yet in our world today, in, in, within the Christian culture that we've created, you have folks who will bounce around from church to church until they find something they don't like, and then they're off to the next one. Can, can, I, can I just share something with you real quick? If you're searching for the perfect church, you are going to be sorely disappointed every time. Every time. Because it's really only a matter of time before somebody makes you mad or something offends you or somebody doesn't treat you the way you think you should be treated. And really, if, if you're tempted to do that, if you're tempted to bounce from church to church, that says much more about you than it does any of the local churches that you've attended. Commit to a local body. Now, now let's be clear, all right? Um, having your name on a, on a church membership role does not guarantee that you're saved, right? That's not going to be what you're asked at the gates of heaven. Well, where was your membership? First Baptist Church. Oh, okay, yeah, sure. No, no, that's not the way that works. There's no guarantee that you're saved because you're a church member. 
And if, and if that's all you're using to prop up your, uh, your salvation, have you come to know Christ? Well, yeah, I'm a member of, of such and such church. We need to have a chat. So you are not saved because you're on a church roll, but, but hear me very clearly. If you are saved, you should be on a church roll. You're not saved because of church membership, but if you are saved, you should have church membership in a local church. See, see the, the local body, local church is one way, and in fact, I would say it's a major way that we give testimony to the fact that we are followers of Christ. And if we're part of the body of Christ, we should want to be around the other members of the same body. See, if suddenly your hand decides that, that it's going to war against the rest of your body, it would cause major issues throughout, not just in your hand, but throughout your whole body. And in the same way, if you, if you as a member of the body of Christ decide that you want nothing to do with the rest of the body, it's going to create issues in your life, it's going to create issues in the local body that you should be connected to. See, we need one another. The, you need the church body. But the reverse of that is also true. The, the church body needs you as a follower of Christ to complete the body that God has here at First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. Now, a lot of folks, particularly today, run down the local church. So they've had, they've had bad experiences within a local church. And they've reached a point now where they say, I don't want anything to do with a local church. I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And there's a, there's a decent amount of truth in that. Okay, I'm, I'll, I'll grant some amount of truth. As I said, you're not saved because you're a church member. However, uh, Cyprian, who is an early church father, said this. He said, you cannot have God for your father unless you have the church for your mother. And what does he mean by this? Well, I think it's real simple. See, if the church is the bride of Christ, that's the way it's described, right? The church is the bride of Christ. You, you can't go around saying to Christ, hey, listen, I like you. Man, I can't stand your wife. Now, just think in your own friendships how that conversation would go. Man, I like you. We can hang out. But, bro, your wife, I can't stand her. I dare say that friendship would not last very long if that was the case. One of the primary marks of a false teacher is that they downplay the role of the local church. So anyone who would say, in, in this sense, anyone who would say, listen, the church, the, the local church is no longer important, it's no longer necessary, or, or even so far as to say, I don't need to be involved in a local church, John would say, no, you are off base there. That is a false teaching. And, and here's the thing about this, right? So, so in 1 Timothy 4, uh, Paul's writing to Timothy, who is pastoring an, an elder in the church in Ephesus. John is writing this letter, 1 John, from Ephesus. Ephesus is an important church, an important local church in the New Testament. So, so here Paul's writing to Timothy and he says this, he says, Now the Spirit explicitly says that in later times some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. But instead, look at, look at how John describes believers. So he said, They went out from us, and, and in doing so it became clear that they were not part of us. 
Verse 20, he says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. So he's saying, listen, I'm, I'm writing to you who are followers of Christ, not to give you a new truth, but because you already know it. I'm just going to remind you of what you already know. And, and in this case, he's saying that believers, we should remain connected to the church. Now, now really quickly, let, let's talk, because there are good reasons to leave a local body of believers. There is no good reason to leave the body of Christ. There are good reasons to say this, this local church is no longer for me. Some of those would be false teaching, abuse of members, improper handling of, of funds or, or um, uh, improper treatment of people. There, there can be good reasons to leave a local church. There is no good reason to separate yourself from the church completely. So believers, please understand what I'm saying here. Understand this truth. We must be connected to a local church. And so uh, the first question that I'm going to pose to us this morning is simply this. If you're an attender here, if you've been attending for a while, but, but you haven't made that commitment to move from attender to member, my, my simple question for you this morning is, what are you waiting for? What's keeping you from taking that step and saying, yes, this is the church I just don't want to attend. This is the church I want to join my life with. These are the people that I want to pursue Christ with on a regular basis. This is where I want to love God and love others, where I want to serve, where I want to give. Maybe to you this morning, the Spirit simply saying, stop waiting pull the trigger on that on that commitment so false teachers first of all will, will desert the church second of all uh, first false teachers will deny Christ pick up in verse 22 he says who is the liar if not the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ this one is the Antichrist the one who denies the father and the son no one who denies the son has the father he who confesses the son has the father as well. So, so here's a real simple definition that he just gave, gave us of the Antichrist, and that is anyone who denies that Christ is the Son of God, that, that Jesus is the Messiah. In fact, he says if you do that, you don't even have the Father. If you deny the Son, you don't have the Father either. But if you confess the Son, you have the Father as well. So, so, so let me not beat around the bush here. Let, let, me, just, let me just get to, to and say something that's extremely unpopular in our culture. John makes it clear here that Muhammad is an antichrist. Buddha is an antichrist. Joseph Smith, the founder of Mormonism, would be an antichrist. And what we have here in our culture, we have some folks wanting to kind of play around with some of these other areas. Well, there's some good things in Buddhism, like a lady I got to visit with in Albuquerque uh, back in February, who said, oh, I'm a Christian, but I use Buddhism to center myself. I didn't have the time to, to, to stop and say, okay, wait, what? you're trying to follow Christ but you're holding on to anti-Christ teachings you've got to make a decision Jesus said you can't serve two masters 
Well, he was talking about God and money, yes, because people had made money their God. Don't play around with things that are evil. Don't, don't fool around with things that will take you away from Christ. Later in, in, in this same letter, in chapter 4, John's going to say this. He said, this is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming. Even now it is already in the world. See, we had folks here in John's day who, who were teaching two primary false, uh, false gospels, false teachings. The first said that all matter is evil, therefore God could not have come in the form of a man. So, so he just looked like he was in a man, but you couldn't really touch him. Jesus was just like a phantom. The other said that, that God's spirit, that Jesus was not eternal, that God's spirit descended on Jesus uh, when he began his ministry, at his baptism, and then left him on the cross. So ultimately, Jesus died just like, just like you and me. So God did not come in the flesh, um, but, but just the spirit of God chose this good teacher to, to indwell. And, and John, so John here is saying, no, listen, if, if it... If, if there's a teaching that does not claim that Jesus Christ came in the flesh, that he was, he is, and he always will be, that spirit is not from God. It's a false teaching. And he said, you've heard that this spirit's coming. He said, I'm, I'm telling you, it's already here. And we see this rampant in our world. Folks who will say, well, I see Jesus as a good moral teacher. The problem is, we don't treat anybody else like that who has made the claim to be God. In fact, C.S. Lewis would say we're really only given three choices when it comes to Jesus. We can, we can accept him as Lord. We, we, can, we can call him a liar claiming to be God, but he knew he wasn't. Or we can see him as a lunatic who thought he was God, but wasn't. When you, when you look at the way we've treated uh, folks who've claimed to be God in our world, nobody looks back on somebody like David Koresh or on Jim Jones and says, well, he was off his rocker, but he made some decent points. He was a good moral teacher. No, we call them maniacs. Meaning we have, we have to do, make the same determination with Christ Jesus. You can't simply keep him as a good moral teacher with the kinds of claims that he made. And then, and then Jesus, or sorry, then John's going to remind us of a promise. Look at me at verse 24. What you've heard from the beginning is to remain in you, i.e. the gospel. If what you've heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he himself made to us, eternal life. He takes them back to their conversion. Listen, what, what did you hear when you were saved? Was it that you were a sinner? God sent Christ to pay for your sins because you couldn't do it on your own. And that through that, through the forgiveness of sins, you were given the promise of eternal life. He's saying, let that remain in you. The same way you were saved is how you are sanctified. It's how you continue to be shaped and molded into the image of Christ that, that God came and saved you when you could not save yourself. 
And this same God will sustain you because you cannot sustain yourself. Let that remain in you. Take, take, this takes us back to uh, what Jesus said, John 14, 6. Uh, Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, I, I read a couple of news articles this week, or a couple of quotes this week from, from some prominent um, Maybe that word's some, maybe prominence too strong. Uh, some folks who are becoming prominent in their denominations. One is a newly appointed bishop in the United Methodist Church um, who is, uh, who's, who's made it public that she's, that she's a lesbian. And she said basically that, that Jesus began his life uh, with a bigoted worldview and, and he came to understand where he was wrong and, and that, that he had made his life too small. And God enlightened him and, and made his, his image of, of God bigger. And, that's, and we should follow Jesus' example. Um, I have a lot of words for that, not many of which are appropriate. So I'll just call it garbage, all right? That's, that's garbage. Another is of a Presbyterian pastor who's, who's making the claim, preaching that Jesus is not necessarily the only way to God. This is, this is the old, famous, uh, well hashed false teaching that that all roads finally wind up in the same place i've heard it put this way our our god is big enough god was creative enough to make all these different paths to him and yet jesus himself said i am the way the truth the life so you can't claim to be a follower of christ and in the same breath say well, yeah, but everybody's going to wind up in the same, same, same spot. Because the Bible would say that if, if that's possible, that there's any other way to, to God than through Christ's sacrifice. Christ died for nothing. And Paul, in 1 Corinthians 1, would say, and in fact, we are fools. We are, above, we are to be pitied above all. Because we believe in a Messiah who suffered an excruciating death on our behalf. He said, if that's not true, we're, we're fools for being here. So, so my question here simply is, have you come to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord? And if not, what on earth are you waiting for? If you're still hanging back saying, well, I don't know about this whole Jesus thing. I think maybe he was a good guy. Maybe he made some good points. Um, but, but I'm not sure I'm ready to give my life to him. My, my simple question is this, what are you waiting for? What's keeping you from turning from sin and trusting in Christ today? I pray that if that's you, that today's the day. And then finally, let's go to verses 26 and 27. Um, John says that the the final mark he's going to talk about here is that uh, false teachers will deceive Christians. Verse 26 says, I've written these things to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you don't need anyone to teach you. Instead, his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, just as it has taught you. Remain in him. Now, now John here, I don't think is denying that, that God's appointed certain ones as teachers. We see that in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, where Paul says that, um, that he, God gave some to be apostles, some teachers, some prophets, etc., However, as a follower of Christ, you don't have to rely on a teacher to understand the word of God. You have 
that teacher in the person of the Holy Spirit living in you. In fact, as we approach uh, Halloween, as we approach October 31st, you, you may or may not know that that is also Reformation Day. It's the day that Martin Luther nailed his 95 thesis to the church door in Wittenberg, Germany. And where Martin Luther, as he began to read the Bible for himself, and he began to hear the teaching that came from the Catholic Church, he said, wait a second, something's off. One of these things is wrong, and I don't think it's Scripture. The whole point that he's trying to get at is, listen, I don't have to go through a priest to tell me what the Word of God says. I have direct access through one high priest, Christ Jesus, to open up his word to me. And so listen, we see in the New Testament that, that what we do here is valid, where, where we gather together, we hear the word of God proclaimed. But don't rely on that alone. If you're not in the word for yourself as a follower of Christ, you are missing out on an enormous part of the Christian life. And so listen, I encourage you to listen to authentic teachers of, of the Word of God. There, there are far greater preachers than, than myself out there. I, I, I enjoy listening to some of them. Listen to, to men, who, who, men and women who handle the Word of God correctly. But never take anything that you hear hook, line, and sinker. Don't, don't just hear something preached and go, well, that's got to be the way that it is because so-and-so said it. Listen. Don't even do that with me. Don't even give me that kind of authority in your life. Check everything I say against the word of God, because I'm not above error. The word of God's infallible. I'm not. Now, now again, keep in mind that John's writing this from Ephesus. And in Acts 20, Paul's addressing the church at Ephesus, and this is exactly what he tells them. He says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God. He's speaking to the elders at the church in Acts, but he's telling them, Be on guard, because he says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Fast forward about 30 years, and you know what's happening? Exactly what Paul told them. In fact, Jesus himself warned, seeing the culture around him, seeing what was going to happen after he was gone. He said, For false messiahs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, false teachers have been a reality for the past 2,000 years, and they're not going away anytime soon. In fact, in our day and age, they have better access to folks through the internet and through social media now than at any time in history. That means there are all kinds of folks preaching all kinds of falsehoods out there. Don't be deceived. Be very discerning in who you listen to, in who you allow to 
speak into your life concerning spiritual things. And, and here's a couple of pointers in how to, um, how to notice false teachers. One is if they would claim to be a preacher, but they never use the Bible. Okay? That, that, that one should be the most obvious to us. Or if someone has you raise up your Bible and say, this is my Bible, I am what it says I am, I can do what it says I can do, and then you put it away and you don't ever look at it again, be wary. Second is, is a little bit more difficult to, to, to recognize, but that, that would be someone who, who would read a passage of Scripture at the beginning of their message and then go off onto whatever tangent they, they want to without ever coming back to the text. And a third one, I think, would be this, where they would read a passage of Scripture and say, this is what it says, but here's why it doesn't really say what it says. And I'm going to tell you what it now means. Be very careful. Paul's letter, it's Paul's second letter to Timothy. Again, he's writing to Timothy, who's pastoring this church at Ephesus, which is one of the most important churches in the New Testament, but, but a church that had its issues. As I said, there's no perfect church. If you're looking for that, you're going to continually be disappointed. Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus. I'm about to tell you how I'm supposed to be doing my job, okay? <laughs> that's, that's what I'm about to do. I'm about to tell you how, one of the ways you hold me accountable. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus, who is going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience and teaching. He just told him, here's your charge, Timothy. Preach the word. Preach it when you're seeing results. Preach it when you're not seeing results. Preach it when your church is growing. Preach it when your church is not growing. Preach it when it's fun and when it's exciting. And preach it when you have trouble getting out of bed on Sunday mornings. Rebuke, correct, and encourage with great patience. Why? Because sometimes it's out of season. Sometimes you're not going to see the results. Again, I'm preaching to myself, but I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you along for this conversation that I'm telling myself. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. Here's five reasons. Here's five ways you can be happy. Here's six reasons to maximize your marriage. Here's how to live your best life now. I'm sorry, was that too, was that too obvious? Um, <laughs> they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside to myths. Beware false teachers. They are real and they are many. People of God, be discerning in what you hear. Come to know the word of God well enough that you can identify when someone is off track, including me. So, so how do we do this? Well, we, we do the opposite of the three things that, that we've looked at this morning. You want to 
you want to help ensure that you're, that you're growing in Christ the, the way that he wants you to, connect to a local body of believers. There's no better vehicle for sanctification than the local church. And I know it's messy and people can be annoying and, 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 and people can rub each other the wrong way. I get that. But could it just be that that's part of the sanctification process? Follow after Christ. Come to know him. Come to know his word. To the point that you will not be easily deceived with things that sound nice and pretty. That we won't be people who don't tolerate sound doctrine but multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. Listen, far more than what you want to hear is what we need to hear through the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for the chance to gather together as your people to open up your word. Thank you for the work that you're doing in and through this church. And I would pray that you would continue to work in and through us as we want to be a community of people who are loving you and loving others, serving selflessly, giving sacrificially. That this is a place where your word is held in high esteem. And not just where we give lip service to, to your word, but where we seek to conform our lives to your word. We know that none of us does that perfectly. I know that I fall short of that in so many ways. And so will you continue to use the local body as a chisel to shape me into the, the man, the husband, the father, and the pastor that you want me to be? Help us as your people to know your word, to be in your word, to hunger for your word. To know it in such a way that we could recognize false teaching. Whether that comes from our own pulpit or through the culture around us or even as we hear it in conversations that we have in our neighborhoods and at work and at, and at school. We thank you that you have spoken, that you have made who you are and what you've done for us clear in the word of God, in scripture. May we never take for granted that we have your words. Move in our hearts and lives over these next few moments. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from First Baptist Church of Alamogordo. We are located at 1100 Michigan Avenue in Alamogordo, New Mexico. If you'd like to contact us, please use the contact us form at www.fbcalamo.com to get in touch with us and let us know how we can pray for you or serve you. If you have a question for Pastor Kyle, you can contact him by email at kyle at fbcalamo.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you and have a good week.